You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Well, hey, church, great to be with you today. Uh, man, it's just always great, isn't it, when we get to talk about Jesus and we get to worship together. It is absolutely fantastic. And of course, we're in this great series, The God I Thought I Knew. Uh, let me start today with a story. Um, I knew this guy, this is many, many years ago, very smart, highly educated guy, very successful in his career, tremendously respected. He was kind, godly, and loyal. And we were doing a series at the time, as I recall, about grace, you know, God's unearned, unmerited favor and kindness towards us. Well, at the conclusion of the series, this uh, guy confessed to me that he'd never really gotten God's grace until there was something at one point in the series that suddenly changed the way he saw everything and totally changed the way he lived. And I asked him, what do you mean change the way you live? He said to me, let me explain how I've lived. He says, if I'm in the garage and a cupboard is open and I accidentally stand up and hit my head, I always believed it was God punishing me for something I must have done. When I hit my finger accidentally with the hammer, it was God hitting me, punishing me for something sinful or foolish. When anything bad happened, it was because I had failed and God was angry toward me. I don't know how that makes you respond, but man, I was stunned. It just sounds like a frightening and exhausting way to live. You see, what he was saying to me was that the God he thought he knew was a punishing God. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How extraordinary it was for this amazing guy when he finally heard and understood the message of God's compassion and grace. You see, here's the thing. I think that actually many of us suffer a little bit from this, this idea that God is a punishing God. Something bad happened and you've ever gone, God, why me? Or God, what did I do to deserve this? See, those words are quite revealing, right? They reveal an assumption that I've done something wrong, that this was God doing this, and probably that God is punishing me. Sadly, sometimes this can be because of how we were parented. You know, some of us have experienced harsh, angry, or even abusive parenting that can lead us then to naturally expect the same thing from God. But the problem is that for too many, the Christian walk can be a fearful journey. If we believe that God is a punishing God, then when we make decisions, what we end up doing is we try and work out what is the decision that will be least likely to be punished for. When we make mistakes, instead of leaning into God, we lean away from God. When others make mistakes or do things that we disagree with, we don't treat them with love and compassion because we don't feel God treats us with love and compassion. Can I say this this morning? Too often I see people sometimes, including sadly, Christian people harshly attacking and treating others really badly. I mean, current issue is a classic example, right? This whole divisive thing about being vaccinated or not being vaccinated. When I see people responding to others in those kinds of ways, it makes me wonder, do you believe that God is a punishing God? Because that's not who we are at Elam, right? Now, we do not want to be those kind of Christians who treat people that way. We don't want to respond to people regardless of their position on whatever the current issue is in a harsh, angry way because we believe that God is a loving and compassionate God. We really got to get this, team. 
We need to understand that God is not a harsh, angry, punishing God, and we need to understand why he is not a harsh, angry, punishing God. So as we get into this, someone's going to say to me, okay, Mike, but in the Old Testament, I'm pretty sure God punished people, right? Are you saying it's different today? And I'm saying, yeah, it is different today. Why? Because it's a different covenant, a different arrangement. Now we find these arrangements in Scripture, if you like. In Genesis 15, God made a covenant with Abraham and later with Moses. It was to do with faith and the observance of a bunch of laws and rules in return for which God would bless them. But in 1 Corinthians 11, we're told that Jesus has made a new covenant. Let me read this to you. Uh, in the Last Supper, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Hebrews 8 notes that the new covenant makes the old covenant obsolete. What that means is, is that we live in a different covenant with God, a different arrangement with God than the people in the Old Testament times did. And this new covenant is different because of Jesus, because of what he did on the cross. You see, Jesus has already carried the punishment for the sins of the world when he suffered and died on the cross and he did it in advance. Forgiveness is there for every one of us who turns towards Jesus to trust him. You see, God's highest priority is not to punish people. God's highest priority is to see as many people come to come into a trusting faith relationship with him as possible, however long it takes, however many chances somebody needs. The grace of God. So someone's going to say, so God isn't punishing me? No, he's not. Why? Because someone has already been punished for your sin. See, Isaiah 53 tells us that God poured out punishment for our sin onto Jesus. It says the Lord has laid on him the iniquity or the sin of us all. And so as a result, Romans 10 tells us, that if we simply declare with our mouth that he is Lord, if we, can, if we believe in our heart that God raised from the dead, if we put our faith and trust in what Jesus did for us, we will be saved. You see, for those of us who accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the punishment for sin is no longer upon, upon us. And so God no longer punishes us for our sin. Jesus took that punishment for us. So someone's gonna say, Cool, so no consequences for sin? Didn't say that, sadly. Doesn't mean there aren't consequences for our decisions or our actions or our lack of actions. There most certainly are. I mean, firstly, there are natural consequences. You know, through the consequences of our bad decisions, you, you treat your body badly for 40 years and at some point your body's gonna break down and it's not gonna treat you well in return. You treat people badly in a variety of ways and People stop wanting to be around you, and in the end, people treat you badly. There are natural consequences of the things that we do and say. There are also broader societal consequences. You see, while the divine task of the church, the divine task of the church is the proclamation of the gospel of peace through faith. That is our divine task. Interestingly enough, Scripture tells us that government also has a divine task to maintain order, structure, to preserve people's freedoms through the application of law. Romans 13, verses 1 and 4. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God, for the one in authority is God's servant, whether they realize it or not. 
You see, God has mandated governments and rulers and authorities to oversee and to punish the destructive behavior in the natural realm until God acts on judgment day to complete justice. You break the law, you pay a fine, you murder someone, you get locked up for a very long time in a cell. So there is punishment. Yes, there is. People who sin and don't take up the covering that Jesus offers, that sin must be punished. But here's the key thing, not in this lifetime. So when, someone is going to ask. Well, God has said a day when there's going to be kind of like this divine court case, when everyone in the world is going to be called to account for what they've said and what they've done. It's called, in, in the Bible, judgment day. And that day is set, and it's not within our lifetime. Romans 2 verse 5 talks about the day of God's wrath. 2 Peter 2 9 talks about how God will hold the unrighteous for judgment, for, sorry, for punishment on the day of judgment. 1 John 4 17 says uh, that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. So there, there is this day, judgment day, right? So let me quickly summarize. In this lifetime, God is not an angry, harsh, punishing God. The punishment for my sin and your sin has already been made and Jesus took it for us on the cross. If I put my trust in Jesus, I'm forgiven. I'm covered by that. If not, there is a day that I will be judged on. And I may face the consequences of bad decisions or actions, but in this lifetime, God is not punishing me. And so someone's going to say, so what about when bad things happen? like to me or to other people. Is that not God punishing people? And the simple answer is no, it is not. And let me take you to Jesus to explain this. Luke chapter 13. Now there were some people present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices, this idea that they were actually murdered while they were in the process at the temple of making their offerings. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too all will perish. All those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. Now, this is such an interesting passage, right? Jesus addresses two things that had happened that people assumed must have been God punishing people because of their sin. One, an act of senseless violence in which people were killed and killed by the ruling authorities. Secondly, a tragic accident in which people died. And then he asks the question, are these the result of a certain level of kind of sin being reached by these people that meant God had to step in and punish them now? But then he answers the question, no, it is not. And we kind of should know this, right? See, people losing their lives or suffering through senseless violence or the random actions of others or through tragic accidents or events has nothing to do with their level of sinfulness and has nothing to do with God's intervening judgment. God does not punish people in this lifetime for their sin. You know, some time ago, there was a prominent, uh, sadly, uh, New Zealand Christian leader who said that the Christchurch earthquakes that had happened were God's judgment on the city for homosexuality. Can we just go back to Luke 13 for a second? If, if we go back there and we, and we ask the Lord that same question about that event, you know, Lord, um, so these people murdered by Pilate, these people 
that died when the tower in Siloam fell on, these people that tragically lost their lives in the Christchurch earthquakes, were they worse sinners than others in New Zealand? And he will reply, I tell you no. You hear anyone say that God is punishing a person or a group of people because of their sin, that any natural disaster or tragic event is God's punishment, you need to gently correct them and remind them of what Jesus said in Luke 13. So, so why do so many people think that God is a punishing God? I think there's lots of reasons, but here's one that I think is important. See, if the devil can get you afraid of God, it's easier to get you away from God. If the devil can get you afraid of God, he can get you away from God. Even in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, those people who really knew God knew he was first of all a compassionate, kind and gracious God, the kind of God you could always run to when you had messed up. Let me read some of these to you. King Hezekiah, who was a really good man, in 2 Chronicles 30 verse 9, for the Lord your God is gracious and compassionate. He will not turn his face from you if you run to him. How about Nehemiah and Nehemiah 9.17? But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Or, or King David in Psalm 86, you Lord are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Or the prophet Joel in Joel 2.13, return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and compassionate. Or even the prophet Jonah in Jonah 4 verse 2, I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God. See, this is even when Jonah is a little bit ticked off with God. I knew that you were slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. God is not a punishing God. He is a compassionate God. You know, that guy I talked to you about right at the very start, the great tragedy is, is that this guy had such a mindset that interpreted everything that happened that God was punishing him that he was totally oblivious to the compassion that I'm absolutely certain that God was pouring out on him. I have no doubt from what I read in the scriptures about the heart and the love of God that God was gutted that he hurt himself, that God was wanting to comfort him, that God was wanting to lead him through that. God is not a punishing God. He is a compassionate God, a God who feels what you feel. A God who sympathizes, a God who is there to lead you through it. Really? Listen to this, Isaiah 63 verse 9. In all their distress, he too was distressed. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. And so, let me take this to the next step then. If we know that God is a compassionate and gracious God, then towards others, we have to realize that we also must be gracious and compassionate people. This is not a nice idea. This is not something to aim for. This is not a lofty ideal. I mean, we know, right? This is Christianity 101. This is the basic standard, team. We, we don't judge. We don't punish we are gracious and compassionate and kind. We seek to understand what other people are going through. We seek to put ourselves in their shoes, even if their opinion and their place seems so contrary to our position. We have a kind and gracious and compassionate God who sympathizes with us in our weakness. And you and I are called to be the exact 
same kind of person. You know, church, never before, I have to say this, in my lifetime, have I seen a time when the church desperately needed the real Christians to stand up and start being like Jesus. If there is one group of people on the planet who should be calm and confident about their future, team, it is us. If there is one group of people on this planet who refuse to attack or criticize others, and instead model compassion and kindness, it should be us. If there is one group of people on this planet who do not buy into the inflammatory rhetoric of the media and all that's going on out there, and instead who live by faith in God and God's Word, it should be us. And yeah, we're going to get it wrong sometimes. Guess what? When we do, God isn't going to punish you. He's just going to hope you do it better next time because He loves you. He understands that sometimes things get frustrating, but He believes in you. And it's time for us to remember that our job is to believe in each other. Amen. You know, God's intent is that you attempt to live right because God loves you and because Jesus gave His life for you. But the devil's intent is that you attempt to live right because otherwise God will punish you. You see, if you serve the God of punishment, you will live fearfully. But if you serve the God of compassion, you will live fearlessly. Fearless men and women. That's who you and I are called to be here in Elam. Fearless. Yeah, fearless like like the one-way missionaries. Have you ever heard of the one-way missionaries? They were called one-way missionaries. This is a couple of centuries ago because... When they went out to the mission field, they packed their belongings not in suitcases, but in their coffin. And they only ever bought one-way tickets because they knew that when they came home, it would be in cargo. It would be in their coffin. And that's exactly what happened in many, many, many cases. They would die due to diseases and viruses in the jungles and swamps of the places they went to to reach people that hadn't heard about the gracious and compassionate God. An author called Mark Baddison in his book, All In, tells the story of A.W. Milne, who set sail for the New Hebrides, modern-day Vanuatu, in the South Pacific, knowing full well that the headhunters who lived there had martyred every single missionary before him. Milne did not fear for his life because he'd already died to himself. He'd experienced the grace and compassion of God, and he gave his life to bring that same grace and compassion to others. His coffin was packed. For 35 years, he lived among the tribes and loved them. And when he died, tribal members buried him in the middle of their village and inscribed this epitaph on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. God's grace and compassion made him fearless. Can I ask you this morning, as we come to a close, Will you step into God's grace and compassion and find your fearless? Let me ask you this. If your God is gracious and compassionate, what does He require of you? What is the Holy Spirit whispering to your heart right now about the kind of God you serve and the kind of man or woman He's calling you to be in this world at this time. Come on, Jesus, let's pray. Father God, we just love you so much. You are the gracious and compassionate God, abounding in love and mercy towards us. 
God, you've called us to be like Jesus, to be gracious and compassionate, to be abounding in love and mercy to those around us, for we are you in this world. Holy Spirit, speak to us right now, God. God, challenge us in our hearts. Make us like you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. No, church, as we close, there's just a couple more people I want to speak to. Maybe you have never taken that step of putting your faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world, that's me and that's you, so loved us that He gave, it was a gift, gave Jesus His only Son that through Him we might not perish but have eternal life. He's talking about taking on Jesus for ourselves so that His punishment covers our sin. You see, Romans says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short of God's standard. I have, you have, everyone around us has. And that's why God sent Jesus. Jesus, He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And in John chapter 1, it says this, to all those who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. You feeling this this morning? Am I speaking to you? If you've never made that decision, or if you have made that decision, but if you're honest, you've drifted, you're not in the right place with God. I'd like to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Get right with God this morning. Let what Jesus did for you cover you. Come on, will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you that you love me. I confess that I am a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. But I believe Jesus Christ came for me too, died on the cross for me too, took my punishment as well. And so Jesus, I receive you right now into my heart, into my mind, into my life as my God and my Savior. I place my trust in you. Thank you for forgiving me my sin and wiping that clean. I pray that you will fill me with your Holy Spirit and teach me and empower me to be a different kind of person. That I might be like you were, an incredible force for good in this world. God, I commit myself to you right now for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, look, if you prayed that prayer today, man, we're just so delighted. So delighted that you've taken that step, joined the family. So delighted that that your punishment has been wiped away. So delighted for what God has ahead for you. Would you take a moment, do us a favor, and and you'll see on the little chat box pop up um, something you can tick to say, I commit my life to Jesus. Would you do that for us? We would so love and appreciate that if you would do that for us. And I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. We love you guys. God bless. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.